Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. And Bud, always fun to get behind this microphone and press record, but it is uh, something different when it is the episode before Miami game. So uh, one of the more enjoyable episodes of the year, and hopefully we'll have a episode uh, on the back end of this one that's just as enjoyable. But uh, we'll jump into the preview here. As always, thank our sponsors, Tarpon Cellars, wonderful wine company that we've been so fortunate to partner with Nolcast is the coupon code for 20% off and Charlie Park. Charlie Park is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar. And whether it be a game weekend or a weekend where the Knolls are on the road, we would encourage you to go by there and particularly to make reservations for their Sunday brunch. That's charlieparkrooftopbar.com. And with that, bud, let's get into it. Let's do this thing, man. Yeah. So, uh, Florida State trails the all-time series to Miami, thirty-five, thirty-one. This is probably my favorite rivalry that that the Knowles had, just because of, of when I went to school, you know, and and, and the back and forth games that they had. Uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite memories as a student actually is that really ugly game uh, in 06, the the Miami Muff, right? And then also going down there and beating the Hurricanes uh, the, the the following year was. Uh, you know, it was pretty wild, um, even though the games were were ugly as hell. I, I, even though we do acknowledge Miami leads the all-time series, uh, I, I think it is fair to point out that Miami does not lead the all-time series uh, post-desegregation of college football. So uh, they have a lot of real ancient victories. Um, we, we rag on Miami about their championships being in the VHS era, which they all were. Although, I guess we had DVDs in – we have DVDs in 2001? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Because that was, uh, I went to college freshman year, 02, and a disproportionate amount of stuff in space was devoted to DVDs. And uh, those things were just, uh, you know, four years, but from being obsolete. So, so I, I guess one uh, w- one of their championships is in the DVD era, but uh, a lot of their wins in this series are uh, definitely in the black and white TV era in the, you know, just way, way back in the day, talking about like in the, the 50s. So, uh, anyway, pretty back and forth series, you know, in my lifetime, but it it is a bit of a a streaky series, you know, like you do see teams go on a run in this series. Uh, like it's not just ping pong and back and forth, typically year to year. Um, you know, Miami won six in a row starting in 2000, then FSU won three out of four. And then the Knowles from 2010 to 2016, uh, won seven in a row and then Miami won four in a row until the Knowles broke the streak last year. The, uh, you know, the, the famous fourth and 14 throw by Jordan Travis, the spike, uh, the illegal spike uh, by Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback there for Miami and Mike Norvell gets what was probably the second biggest win he's had so far. I, I think in terms of impact on the fan base uh, with, with LSU being, I think LSU being the first, just because I would energize and started the year uh, this season. I thought you were speaking uh, for at the time with that comment, but yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh yeah, the, the second largest overall, for sure. I mean, I obviously think the biggest win in Mike's career is 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 winning the AAC, but like you know, and, and going to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, but like as far as in Tallahassee, um, the, that Miami win last year, pretty important, man. Like this is just, I don't know. Like, don't you kind of feel this rivalry has more like memorable moments? for some reason, than the Florida robbery? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, you got Ward to Dunn. You got Ricks to Sam. Like, those are pretty big ones. And, and well, you got 
I feel like the Florida rivalry is pretty, I mean, obviously the rivalry is long running, but the ultra hot period is condensed into like an eight year window there of kind of 94 to early 2000s. Um, so, or maybe 92 to 2000, whatever you want to frame it at. But this one, and this also just feels more, you know, the schools are very different, but they're overall situation and there's more similarities to it than, than that of Florida. Uh, I don't know why this, this just feels the more, this feels like this rivalry has a little bit more juice to me. Uh, although both of them are, are very significant, but uh, maybe it is just because of our own experience and where we are in life. And as we've consumed it, I agree with that uh, 20% or 24% chance of rain. We have an evening kickoff. It, I think it'll tell you something about the depth of uh, of the the slate this weekend that the Knowles uh, have the primetime ABC slot here, and that the, uh, the the brand and the logo still carries quite a bit of weight. Uh, they're they're counter programming uh, against LSU Bama on ESPN, and I think maybe like Texas Oklahoma State on was it FS1 or Fox or, or whatever it is. Fox probably carries World Series. Although I don't know if they're playing Saturday night. Probably are because they don't want to go up against the NFL. Anyway, like. Is this a good game if you were just an impartial observer? Eh. Is it going to rate? Are people going to watch it? Yes. No doubt about it. Like, it, it's still one of the prime properties that the ACC has. You see Wake and NC State fans complaining that this game got over them, and it's sort of a bit of like, hey, good job so far. You guys still don't really matter to the brand. You know, you're mostly replaceable. FSU and Miami, because their tradition, because of how much they care about the, about the sport, they do matter. So I'm excited to talk about it, man. I, I just, uh, this, this one is, is, is one of the ones that, that, that gets you going. All right. Start the conversation with what it looks like when Miami has the ball and it's a, uh, it's lazy, but only a fitting starting point that we start with uh, your thoughts as to what the quarterback is, uh, who it is and whether or not Van Dyke goes. Certainly that seems to be kind of the growing, strength of the uh the current hour but uh what are your thoughts here yeah so i i obviously don't know if he will play or not um i tend to think he doesn't go uh, i i read mario cristobal's comments and basically everyone is said in such a way to where he won't get called out if van dyke doesn't play like he won't guarantee that he'll play you know like he won't acknowledge that he's full go in practice um we know that i think it was the guy, I think it was Manny from the Athletic, a guy I've known a long time. Used to cover high school games with him. You know, um, I think he said, I think he was the one that said that Ben Dyke was spotted in a sling early last week. So that would be a an interesting turnaround if he's out of out of a sling that quick that quickly. You know, uh, but it's certainly possible. Uh, my my opinion on this has changed a little bit. Right when Ben Dyke had come in earlier in the year, not against Duke, uh, I was like, ah, oh, you know what. I'm not really sure that Van Dyke isn't a better fit for this offense. And Miami's running a far different offense uh, than they were last year because like Van Dyke to Garcia didn't look like a big downgrade to me based on the limited sample set that we had seen. Van Dyke had been struggling quite a bit in this offense. Uh, it's worth noting Miami lost a ton at receiver from last year. The two guys they were counting on Jacoby George and Restrepo have missed most of the year. Now both of them are back. So that is helpful, but, I was like, okay, what will this offense look like as Van Dyke gets more time in it? It's a year one system under Josh Gaddis, who won the Broyles Award last year as the best assistant in the country at Michigan. It's a really different system than the stuff they were running last year, which was kind of 
not Baylor-esque, but there's some elements to it as far as like like how spready they were, how how fast they were trying to go. Uh, and it requires you to read defenses differently. And Van Dyke so far this year had struggled with some of the new stuff they were doing. Uh, they also had not had Zion Nelson, who's a projected first-round pick at offensive tackle, and Justice uh, Ol- Olusawan, I think is, is how we pronounce this. Uh, one of their better guards has also been missing in action as well, and I don't think he's back in the lineup uh, as as of this time. So two of their three best offensive linemen have been out as well. And if you're listening to this, you're a Knowles fan, you might be like, wait a second. Like, is Miami finally not, like, is an opponent finally not getting healthy when FSU plays them? Because it feels like, you know, Clemson got their dudes back, remember? And NC State seemed to get a couple guys back, and, and Wake uh, seemed a little bit healthier when they rolled into tally. So, uh, yeah, it does appear that Miami's offense is pretty banged. I don't know if Van Dyke's going to play. Garcia has been a lot rougher of late. Uh, he turned the ball over multiple times against Duke, and they, some of those were just not fluky. Like, he's clearly not reading defenses uh, to the point you'd want him. Now it's his, it, it, like it's a relief appearance for him. He had to come into the game when, uh, you know, when Ben Dyke got hurt. He also really didn't play all that well at Virginia. Now, Virginia is a damn good coverage defense. Like, I think there's some things they don't do very well, but UVA has good corners. Like, UVA's corners are better than the Knowles corners. So there is that. That's one of the only thing I think the, one of the only things I think UVA actually does pretty well. But man, Miami makes a lot of mistakes, dude. Like they, their line is like their offensive line is penalized just like Florida State's is. I mean, they are, uh, they, they don't push the ball down the field very well for the most part. The best thing they do is stay ahead of the chains with the run game. But they basically have not hit explosive runs all year. I mean, they're very much limited in the box, and they're really not a good red zone offense at all. I mean, we, we talk about FSU's red zone woes. Uh, I got news for you. Miami's worse. Oh. I think their long, longest run this year is 25 yards, 26 yards, somewhere in that area. Uh, not explosive at all, and exceptionally sloppy, regardless of who the quarterback is i was listening to one of these projection shows and a guy brought up the point that miami is 90 points worse than the consensus spread this year which is worst in the country that's uh that's a pretty pretty incredible uh, i think i've been against large them four or five times on cover three yeah you know like yeah uh some of the models did not catch up to them as quickly as like the eye test would mm-hmm. you know like yeah I'm, I'm 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 taking duke i'm taking north carolina like you know those were I agreed with you there. I actually took them last week against uh, against Virginia and pushed because it was you know, laying two, and they went to quadruple overtime and scored fourteen points, which is just just amazing. Um, all right, so assuming that that Nelson and Justice Awulasan, I think is how we pronounce his name. I don't want to just mispronounce the guy's name, but I, it's it's a tough one for me. Uh, where are we at here, Justice? Yeah, uh, Justice uh, Aluasan, I think it is. Um, assuming those two are still out, uh, this is going to be a tough matchup for them in in some regards. So, like Nelson's been out for a lot of the year. It's not a new thing, but it's still not the guy that they totally want in there. John Campbell has played okay for them in relief, actually, and played pretty well against UVA. Um, the other kid they had in there, uh, where is he at here? Um, wasn't Seymour. It was, I actually forgot the guy's name. Uh, 
Virginia ate his lunch. And I do think that there is an opportunity here for Fabian and, and guys like that to really get into the backfield a whole lot. This could be a big time. Like if Jared Verse is going to go pro, and I expect him to, like just if I had to guess, this would be a good game for Jared Verse to make some make some money on national TV. Jared Verse, uh, yeah, I fully expect Jared Verse to go pro. Great to see that he got a uh, NIL deal there recently, and he'll be able to drive around what looks like a pretty sweet pickup truck. Uh, but at this point, it would it would shock me if that were not his ultimate destination, and good for him. And that'll be yet another kind of feather in the cap uh, for this staff as being able to talk about another kid that came in for a year and was a high, relative high draft pick. Um, now, I do have one thing I want to say about about. I guess I have a couple more things I want to say about this. Even though we just went over the fact that Miami is like better at staying ahead of the chains than they are at creating explosive plays. And, and I do think that's true. I still think if it's if it's Garcia, I think you want to challenge them to play pitch and catch. Can you just pitch and catch? Can you just complete passes? Because Miami has been questionable offensively, pretty much regardless of defense. You see what I'm saying? Like like the Miami's de- offensive output certainly there is some relevance to how good the defense they're playing is, but. Mm-hmm. They also have looked sketchy against Southern Miss, right? Which is a, like a good Sun Belt defense, but it's still a Sun Belt defense, right? They they look sketchy against Duke, which is really not a good defense. Um, I mean, didn't, Northwestern and Kansas moved it on them. Didn't blow Bethune out of the water uh, by any Correct. means. Correct. Yes. Like, I want to see, can you play, can you communicate? Can you play pitch and catch? Can you avoid offensive line penalties? Can you avoid tackles for loss? Can you avoid uh, just you know silly stuff? So those are things I think if you are Adam Fuller, you don't want to let Miami hit hit easy ones on you in terms of like easy explosives or just uh, if if Garcia's in there. I do think Garcia has, has a tendency to want to push the ball down the field. Uh, Van Dyke so far this year has been a little bit more hesitant to pull the trigger on that stuff. So you may play him a little bit differently. But my, my guess here is you make Miami get in the red zone if they're going to score on you and see if they'll settle for field goals. Cristobal is also um, – he's not the worst game manager in the world, but he's not far off. Uh, I mean, they they do a lot of really like they do a lot of stuff that decreases their win probability. Just it's very anti-book. And if you saw some of the losses they had at Oregon, uh, they do a lot of dumb stuff in terms of game management. Guys are great recruiter. They do a lot of ill-advised punting. They kick a lot of, of, of short field goals, which absolutely decreases your chance to win the game. If you're FSU, let them all day. Cool. You want to punt the ball from the 40? Take it. Want to kick a field goal from the seven? Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. That's a win. Um, if it's Van Dyke, maybe you maybe you bring maybe you bring the house after him a little more. He's really kind of struggled with pressure at times this year. Um player wise to know, they've been feeding Parrish a lot more. Like I, I think he's been pretty damn good for them running the football. Uh Knighton has been a bit of a disappointment for them so far. Mallory is by far their leading uh like receiving target. Uh, he's their tight end. Has struggled to stay healthy. They said he's good for this week. I mean, look, Restrepo and George, I think, are a, a quality tandem at receiver, but they just haven't played together in a lineup but for, I think, one game. So maybe two, I guess, if you count Bethune. Um, although George was suspended for Bethune, right? So anyway, like, I think you make those guys prove that they're on the same page with Garcia and certainly uh, with, uh, with Van Dyke if he's in there. But I mean, if you're Adam Fuller, 
like this is a this is an offense that you should hold to something in the teens, unless you have some kind of sh- like you know really short field to defend type thing. Like this FSU's defense should not be allowing Miami to go on multiple drives over sixty yards and score touchdowns. Just shouldn't happen. Yep. No. Let's look at the past games. I mean, sometimes there's no need to really drill down on a subject matter. Offense is horrible, and particularly Van Dyke is uh, is in there. Should be no reason that they get more than 14 or, or 17 just based off what past performances look like. Um, before we move over to the other side of the ball, I want to thank our friends at Legendary Home Loans, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN is the number there. Working with Shannon and Chad has been uh, our pleasure over these past three or four years, however long it's been, rapidly approaching 500 loans completed and made all the better by the fact that these guys are giving $250 per loan to our friends at Rising Spear. Again, 844-FSU-LOAN. Big thanks to the legendary team of Shannon and Chad. No doubt about it. I've done two of them. Really enjoyed the process both times. I mean, it's a mortgage, right? Like, you're like, oh, mortgage time. But it, it's like professional, friendly, big-time Knowles fans. They work hard for you. We, we fully endorse those dudes. All right. Uh, let's talk about FSU's offense against Miami's defense. FSU's got a good offense. You know? Like, I think we can say that. Is it a great offense? I don't know. Maybe. On some days, sure. Is it? But it's, it's better than above average. Like, this is a pretty... It's a pretty quality offense you got there in Tallahassee. And, you know, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't a little bit worried about some things here, you know, uh, mainly the fact that Miami does have a pretty damn good defensive front. And they are getting, I think, James Williams back in the back end, who maybe hasn't been the best player in the world, but is, is still better than some of their backup safeties. Uh, some names to know here. So, I don't know if Akeem Mesador, the transfer they took from West Virginia, is going to be back in the lineup. Uh, but Leonard Taylor has been like, much better than he was last year, kind of a disruptive force on the inside. Uh, the kid they took from Maryland, I think, will be problematic for Maurice Smith to block, right? Much in the way, like, if you're doing a Miami podcast, you're like, hey, uh, the backup guard is going to really struggle with Fabian Lovett. It's kind of the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, It's hard for me to see, like, Daryl Jackson – not having an advantage over Marie Smith. Uh, ends wise, they're not quite as good as they were prior year in terms of speed stuff. Now they do have some power stuff. So like I actually I kind of prefer Turntine handling power as opposed to speed. You know what I'm saying? Just because he is big. And um so that is something to to monitor. Now they do have some important injuries here. Like Mesador, I already said, but the other one, um let me pull this up here just so I get this right but this actually seems to matter because they changed up who they're playing where uh in this ball game so um so caleb johnson is going to stay in the middle against against virginia that that's the transfer they got from ucla uh but basanth went down and basanth was actually playing for them a, mm-hmm. a decent bit i mean he he played 26 snaps and then i think it was i think it was Corey flag did flag go down or was it wayman steed I think, I think Steed might have been the guy who went down. Excuse me. Um, so now Flag is having to play more snaps for them. And I do think linebacker is an area that the Knowles can exploit here in terms of discipline. And that's probably how you pop some big plays against Miami. Miami has been 
a team that has, uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, they gave up a couple big plays to Middle Tennessee <laughs> uh, a couple weeks back, but they've also given up some bombs to North Carolina. I don't know that they communicate all that well on the back end, uh, but they are disruptive up front. So you're going to have to find some creative ways to scheme this. I think Jordan Travis's leg has got to be big here. right? We, we said it on the Monday show. We said it on the Sunday show. They saved Jordan against Georgia Tech. No design rushes. Threw the ball away at every every possible chance he had to run. My guess is that's by design. Like this is why you do that, right? To to be able to hit that hit that button when you play these certain games. They need to be able to run plays that are going to be successful with some amount of penetration in the backfield. Like you have to account for that. I'm sure FSU knows that. Like, you know, if you go to an FSU practice, it's like very obvious you're going to get some penetration in the backfield with with how many guys they have down in the line, right? So I think you can do this, though. I, I I actually feel like FSU can move the ball some on Miami's defense. Um, I think Miami's number two corner can be attacked some as well. Uh, like Tyreek's not a bad corner. I'm not really sure the rest of them are all that great. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I think FSU does have some chance to blow Miami out. But Miami's defense has enough talent up front to where it's not insane to think Miami could also win this game. Like the range of outcomes, I guess. I have a hard time seeing Miami in a blowout absent like a quarterback injury or something like that. But if you told me like, hey, Miami won this game close or FSU won this game big, I I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I would – it will be a harsh – tough pill to swallow if Miami wins this game with how they've looked over the past, well, really the in, entire of the season, but particularly the past couple of weeks. Um, to what you're saying there, you really think Florida State should be able to have success uh, kind of as they choose. And if they uh, cannot get the run game started, certainly should be able to establish a pass game. And and as we've mentioned, this is the game to just let it let it rip with Jordan and uh, let him be the the threat that he can be and not worry about tomorrow. So, uh, look, we talked about the fact that this team shouldn't score more than 17 uh, about 10 minutes ago. It's kind of hard for me to see this team not scoring, or this side of the team, not scoring more than 28 or something like that, absent, uh, and that's pretty conservative number there, absent injuries, multiple injuries. It's just uh, I think you match up really well, uh, particularly on this side of the ball. And it's tough to find a way that you don't win this game, in my opinion, because of this side of the ball. Yeah, I, a couple other things here. So with Miami, their DC's Kevin Steele. I, like I do think they have the defensive coaching matchup here for sure. Um, but like the challenge would be on Adam, Adam Fuller to match that, um, and obviously it's a challenge for Mike and and, and Atkins to you know to, to out scheme Kevin Steele. Uh, Miami is a pretty good red zone defense. All right, like nationally now there's some offenses they've played that have been kind of sketch and there's some offenses they've played that have been good like i mean some of their surface level numbers on defense are good but i i, I think on the whole the Knowles have played a much better schedule of offenses so i'm going to read this off like bethune's an fcs team southern miss is like 100 and, uh 107th in sp plus texas a&m uh is not a great offense. I don't know if you've been following uh, this year, but they're, they seem to struggle points a little bit. Middle Tennessee, actually, like, on a down-to-down basis, Miami didn't play well, but they just had, like, four plays where they played really, really poorly. Yeah. Uh, but still, not a great offense. Um, like, they scored 24 on UTEP this weekend. 
Now, North Carolina is a great offense. I mean, they're like Drake May might be, might be the best QB in the country. And look, North Carolina held Drake May or Miami held Drake May to 27. So they do have that in them, I think, to step up and play really well on defense. But, you know, at the same time, consistently, like Vatek, they won 20 to 14. Vatek's a terrible offense, man. Duke is 70th in SP plus offense. Now, Duke scored 45. That was almost all turnover laden. I mean, it was their yards per play, I think, was in the five. So it's not good. And Virginia is a really bad offense. I mean, we've talked about that probably the entire year and stated we wished FSU could play Virginia because they just they don't have any offensive line. I guess what I'm saying is they have only played one offense that is even in the ballpark of being as good as the Knowles. And in fairness, they did great against them. I mean, like holding North Carolina to 27 is, is a tremendous effort. But there is some chance that they just, some of these numbers are not fake, but inflated because you've played a lot of offenses that are just not very good. Um, this will be the second best offense FSU has played. Now, defensively, FSU's already played NC State. FSU's already played Clemson. Both those defenses are definitely better than Miami's. I think LSU's is kind of similar. Um, Miami's defense is better than Wake. I think it's probably better than Louisville. So, yeah, man. I mean, uh, this is an interesting matchup. Oh, for FSU's defense as well. Miami does run a lot of these bunch sets. Okay, so this is something to watch. I, I should have said this in that that segment. But um, because FSU is not a very good zone team, I'm sure Miami will run a ton of this bunch stuff, and that's to try to get picks and rubs and easy throws to the flat. So. I watched Cristobal's press conference, the one after practice. I think it was the Wednesday one. And he, he said something, and I don't know if it's like a, a subtle dig at what FSU's doing or if he just really believes this. But he said he thought FSU's defense communicated extremely well. Is he like trying to foreshadow something like that Miami thinks they can trick them or does he really think they communicate well? I don't know. Um, but you will have to communicate well in this game. Because Miami will, Miami knows you like to play a lot of man stuff. I'm sure you'll check a little bit, but they will try to force you in in, in into like some situations where it's not good to be in man. Uh, but generally, I feel like playing off man, like FSU likes to do, is a decent strategy against this team. Oh man, you uh, you ready to throw a prediction? Yeah, I think we we can do that. Uh, what do we got here? You want to go first or second? Um, I'm I'm going 34-13, bud. Got it. Maybe a little high on the sauce, but uh, I, I I really think that that's uh, don't see a way that they get anywhere really north of that number seventeen at worst. Uh, so, yep. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go twenty-eight twenty. Um, I, I I think that. Miami's a good red zone defense. I think they can cause FSU some problems up front. And I don't fully trust Adam Fuller's defense. So, you know, like I said, they should, like, if they do a good job, they should hold them under. But, like, until I see it, I'm, I'm not really trusting these guys. Yeah. But uh, I I do think there's blowout potential there, man. Like, I, even with the 28-20 prediction. Um, also, like, we don't know if Van Dyke's going to play. That probably changes this. Like, if right now FSU is, like, a seven or eight-point favorite, or I think, sorry, seven and a half, eight. If Van Dyke plays, this number will go under seven. FSU will be under a touchdown. Mm -hmm. 
if he's officially ruled out, it won't get to 10, I don't think, but it might go to like nine. So um, I hope your prediction's right. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll thank our friends at Congruity, as always. Been a fantastic addition uh, for us in our business, as uh, well as it has been for my business up here in Atlanta. Fantastic people, uh, fantastic products and offerings of services. Matt Lewis is a fantastic person to work with, as we're fond of saying. So a whole lot of fantastic and a whole lot of Florida State uh, has led this to be a, uh, a great partnership. CongruityHR.com is the website. If you want to reach out to myself uh, for a third-party introduction with Matt, please feel free. But again, thank you to our friends at Congruity for making this podcast possible. Who do we have this week in price picks? Are the price picks up yet? They are. They are. So I've got thing. the all of the Florida State ones here listed. Um, I'll run through them real quickly. Uh, Travis pass completions at 23.5. Travis pass yards at 260.5. Fantasy score of 20.5. Wilson, three and a half receptions, 60.5 yards, 11.5 fantasy. Pittman, 40.5 yards. Ontario Wilson, 44.5 yards. So we do not have a Jordan Travis rushing yards yet. Don't have that. Don't have the combo pass rush either. No. All right. Uh, I, I think you have to go Jordan 20 and a half over here. For fantasy points, I mean, like you, you can you can score twenty points, you can score like twenty one points in real life, and, and and get over twenty and a half. Um, that to me sticks out. Um, I do think that Miami is some somewhat vulnerable to passes in the sort of like short intermediate zone, uh, given who they have at receiver, and more importantly, who they do not have at receiver. So, or excuse me, not receiver at, at linebacker. Um, Pittman is a guy who could work the, that underneath area for you and probably also work some screens. So I think Pittman over receiving yards is worth a look there. You have to think after they play, like after how they played uh, Georgia Tech played, played Wilson last week that Miami will look to uh, depress Wilson and probably double him a good bit. So, uh, I mean, 60 and a half is not a huge number. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he went over, but that's not the one that I'm like immediately looking to attack. Uh, you know, that's uh Twenty and a half for Jordan, I think, is something that I, I think that's worth a look for sure. Yeah, uh, I'll go back and look at it. I might take the under on the twenty-three and a half completions. It, uh, it seems a, a little inflated, but uh, we'll have our Nolcast uh, tweet out either Friday or Saturday morning. Appreciate the uh, wild amount of support that we've had on this partnership. Been a whole lot of fun, and it has uh, made these games all the more enjoyable. So. Uh, Promo code NOLCAST for your 100% deposit match bonus. We will have those those out for you as well later in the week. Uh, no guarantees that our Twitter uh, tips continue to do as well as they've done. Those have been probably unsustainably good, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, I, I know you hit a big one this last weekend, which is fantastic. And uh, yeah, man. Um, all right. If you win this ball game, is it fair to say that like... The recruiting upside is not as big as the potential recruiting downside. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, although I, I don't, uh, I say that's maybe like 40, 60 or something like that, because I acknowledge the point that you're making. I also will say that people respond, and this is a, this is a concerning point. People respond so 
overwhelmingly tied to the fate of this game with how they look at a coach's trajectory, where they decide to contribute to the program. Um, it's, it, it's, it's almost an unhealthy uh, reflection of this game, but um, you do feel like a, a loss here would, would be a, a gut blow that could be tough to uh, tough to ultimately cut recover from. Agreed. Uh, although I guess the, the one counter would be if you win this game, what it allows you to potentially do is if you go continue to play well and stay healthy and probably get a couple breaks, there is a chance you could finish nine and three, right? And then on the recruiting trail to close out this year's class somewhat, but also to sell next year's class. Hey guys, look, we started out, you know, we, we won four in a row. Then Jordan got hurt. A bunch of guys got hurt. We had a really tough month of October. We had to get to that bye week. We got healthy. We got our guys back and healthy. Boom. We run off five in a row. That's why we need you here. Cause we don't have that kind of competitive depth. If our starters go down, it's problematic. That screams playing time. I think that that's one way you sell this. If, if you're able to go down and win, right? Like, Hey, we're back on the right track. Now we know what we're doing. We, 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 we feature our studs as playmakers. You know, look, look at what Johnny Wilson's doing. Um, I, I am, I'm curious if you get Trayshawn Ward back this week, not to just continue to preview stuff, but like, how do you balance with, with that? Because what you do with Trayshawn is different than what you've been doing with Benson and those guys, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder how much spread stuff you run against Miami, you know, like, like, are, are you, are you trying to go four wide? Are you trying to go, you know, go some, some empty? Like I, I would consider it personally just because like how many teams have they faced who can play pitch and catch and i'm not saying jordan's an amazing thrower of the ball but like he's been pretty accurate this year like they've faced kind of one team that can confidently play pitch and catch Mm -hmm. north carolina i'm kind of curious if they can do that i don't know i'll say to what we were talking about a second ago uh obviously it'll be a big deal in recruiting high school kids uh, I would argue that it might even be a bigger deal in recruiting coaches that you hope to add to your staff uh, with that of who you might feel that there's going to be turnover for. I mean, if you win this game, I think it's fairly confident that you get to eight. I mean, I think you'll win two of your next three that you know, we'll see. Uh, that'll be able to sell what three to five to eight. Uh, there will be a level of stability here uh, that you can pitch to coaches that you couldn't otherwise. And that would be as uh, dramatic uh, an impact on the people that Mike's able to talk to and, and ultimately may be able to lure to Tallahassee. So it would be that, and it would be, you know, recruiting aspect of uh, getting your, getting your boosters involved in, and, you know, the retention that is probably going to have to take place to some extent, if you end up going eight and four or nine and three, um, you know, there's a lot of kids here that are, kind of borderline kids to which NIL could play a massive role in uh, whether or not they think they're going to be mid-round draft picks or if they're going to be playing in Tallahassee next year as well. So 100%. I, I think it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So man, I'm, I'm excited about this one. This is really going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I, you have been the better team all year. You seem like you're getting healthy at a time. When Miami does not seem to be getting super healthy and quarterback is a big part of this, but still, um, I think you're the better coach team overall, you know, like Mario, and those guys can recruit. Are they going to coach? Well, 
I don't know. They're not, like their two biggest games last year against Utah. They got smoked at Oregon. So, uh, and I don't think Utah was like that much of a better roster than Oregon was. If Mike does his job, FSU goes down there and gets the win. If it should go to down there, it gets the win comfortably. If this yeah. if this goes according to script and it goes according to what the rosters look like. So here's to it, man. Here's to a, what is hopefully a fun instant reaction podcast. And um, hope you all enjoy the preview. We'll look forward to a conversation on Saturday evening. And uh, here's to going out and getting win six against Miami. Thanks yes, as always for your support. See y'all.